Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on unexpected extended stays, buffet etiquette, exes not being an easy topic, and group gift credit and who gets it. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we talk about a very sweet mom-to-be who wants a baby shower and wants it her way. Plus your most excellent feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment on combating holiday stress. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey! Here we go. <laughs> Dan made it in by the skin of his teeth today. You're so generous. I did not make it in. I was late, late, late. But I appreciate the smile oh, on your face just, when you do so it. It's so fun to tease you about stuff because you laugh right along with it. And it, that's people, you know, wonder what it's like doing a, a two person business with a lot of different branches for it. And I've got to say, we get along really well because we do tend to laugh. At the things like like when one of us is avoiding a certain kind of work, we kind of tend to laugh at it. We go, I know what you're doing. I know why. I totally get it, but get it done. Like, I see the totality yeah, of you, and yeah. I appreciate there's, this moment within that totality. There's a, there's a lot of that that goes on, and I, love, I loved the part last week when I said, oh, we've got to move the podcast earlier. Is that okay? Will it work? And Dan pipes up, yeah, that'll totally be even better. And, That'd be great for me. Yeah, it would be great for Dan. And he still shows up late. It's so great. Okay, now I'm red. Now I'm flushing. <laughs> hey, Tell them the that best just part. makes you in the holiday mode, right? Right. Tell them about the tag. Oh, no. Yeah, the best part was so Dan's getting set up at the mic this morning. And sure enough, the tag to his clothing, the, the you know clothing tag that's still on there from the store, is popping out and moving around like a little like tail. That was great. Not together. <laughs> no, I'm just glad it didn't turn out to be like a gift that Pooja had hidden for you that you managed to just grab on your way out the door. Well, this is a good segue into the holidays are coming. The holidays are here. They are here. For those celebrating Christmas, this airs Christmas week. So, yeah, yeah. this is a this would be the Christmas week show. <laughs> and you and I have now completed our last week of work and we are <laughs> relaxing. I hope so, man. I hope that's what the weekend ends up being. Us completely. Eating things and relaxing and chilling out. I'm really excited because as long as everything goes according to schedule, I'm actually going to fly down to New York City just after Christmas and do tell. Going to go be on the Today Show. So fingers crossed, these things can sometimes get canceled last minute, depending on what happens in the news cycle, that sort of thing. But fingers crossed that on the morning of New Year's Eve, tune in to NBC's The Today Show, and hopefully we will be talking about manners for 2020.
2020. So I'm curious about manners for 2020, but I'm even more curious. Do you have a New Year's plan for the big city? I don't. I actually don't know if I'm going to stay in the city or if I'm going to come home. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet, and I probably need to decide really soon if I'm going to make sure I find a place to stay in the city. Part of me thinks it would be fun. Part of me thinks it would not be fun. I know, and it's just it's that the, the tug between or do you want to be out and social and in the chaos, or would you rather be in a more rela- you know relaxed, quiet atmosphere or do you want to be home and in the chaos or you know log on the fire Times squares on tv yeah that's what dan's gonna do for sure <laughs> but this is uh christmas week still one big holiday to get through i'm really excited because at my household we have a two and a half year old now and he is so much fun my nephew jasper i am really excited to see him light up over christmas this year i've been told not to expect too much though dan the dad over here has has also told me he's like it's hey, Sometimes they, like, don't get into the present unwrap. I had a friend whose child walked downstairs and they said, do you know, Santa came. Do you want presents? Like, we're going to do presents. She said, can I have some cornflakes? And yeah, just, no, like, totally ignored Christmas. It's the second present that is the one that captures their imagination and then that's it. They're interested <laughs> in that and... There we go. And that's just it. But you never know what present that's going to be. So, What's it going to look like at your house? Because you all are hosting our big post-family Christmas this year. We are, and we're looking forward to it. Pooja and I have a couple of surprises. Oh, for the girls? Well, initially, and I can tell you and... Our entire audience. Okay, so everyone is now sworn to secrecy. Yeah, because our family just, you know, does not listen to our podcast. (laughs) This is like the safe zone. We're in the vault with our audience. This is a good check, right? (laughs) John Senning will listen, but he's in on this one. Okay, good. So we had been thinking about building gingerbread houses. Oh, cool. So having like a gingerbread building station, we'd construct some sort of little village or house that everyone would add to. That got a little complicated, so we're going with a cookie decorating station. That's a great idea. That's really cool. That'll be really fun. I was going to say really good to dial it back from the gingerbread house because when you've got Uncle Billy and Uncle Peter and Cousin Pete together, what would start to happen is that they would all run and get the Lifesaver storybooks out of the stockings, and they'd use them to make stained glass windows for the gingerbread We need to shatter houses. them and assemble them. And like Someone would break out a plumb line at some point. It's so funny because as I was leaving the house this morning, I was talking with Pooj and I was saying, I'm just picturing Uncle Bill (laughs) making the perfect Christmas cookie and then calling someone over and being like, look, look, look what I've made. Anyway. It, it'll definitely happen. I like that. So that's okay. So that there'll be a cookie cookie decorating station at your house. We're going to do the big dinner down at your parents' house, right? Yep. So there'll be a, a change of venue kind of mid-afternoon. We'll go from shrimp cocktails and Bloody Marys and sugar cookies to sit-down meal that Cindy it. and John are going to host. Yeah. I hope your mouths are watering, and I hope that for those of you that are going to be celebrating Christmas this year, that you are getting really excited about the celebrations you will be attending. It's certainly a really fun time, and it's the holiday that Dan and I actually get to spend together, so it's really fun for us. So a happy holidays from Lizzie and I, and whatever you're celebrating this winter, we hope that you're having a wonderful holiday season. Now, shall we get to some questions? I like that idea. Let's do it. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. 
Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. We'll answer your questions on the sustaining members site now at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette, where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Our first question today is titled Extended Stay Dismay. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I recently encountered a tricky etiquette situation and hope you can help me better navigate similar situations in the future. I work for a very small company in a senior leadership role. I have been with this company for three months with most of our work occurring remotely due to the fast-paced startup environment, team travel, and the absence of a traditional office environment. Recently, after a team meeting, a junior coworker asked if she could come over to my home. Knowing the pain of dealing with local traffic and that she lives with roommates who might make it challenging to work from her apartment, I, of course, welcomed her, thinking we would close out the workday and then go our separate ways. She ended up staying for two days. This was entirely unprompted, and while I didn't directly ask her to leave, I mentioned several times that I am juggling multiple projects, important meetings, and home life tasks that keep me occupied. 
I've never been alone with this coworker beyond walking to our cars together and found her insistence upon settling in for an extended stay quite uncomfortable. I cherish my time at home as both my partner and I travel frequently. I also need focused work time in order to perform in my role. While she seems more comfortable chatting throughout the workday and bouncing ideas around every few minutes. How can I graciously set boundaries for my home and my time while still making people feel warm and welcome? Any suggestions on politely managing coworkers who may have different ideas about professional conduct? Thank you for providing such a helpful resource. Best extended stay dismay. Oh, yowza. I know. Extended stay dismay. Do not be disheartened. This is a relatively easy fix. Oh, I'm glad you think so. This is a rarity, too. This is like, this does not, oh, this is, does not happen often. You are signaling that you have something to add. I have to mention yeah. that you and I are so fortunate. Yeah. One of the great hazards of a Q&A format show like this is that people send in prank or false questions. And we don't get many of those. We don't have to filter or sieve out the exaggerations, the salacious, the just crazy scenarios that probably aren't true. Yeah. This one almost had my radar up. Do it was so far out of bounds. I was saying, no. I don't. I think okay. this is a real yeah. scenario. But <laughs> the conduct described, the behavior, the scenario seems so improbable in yeah. some ways because it, it really seems unrealistic that a coworker would think, oh, I can crash and, Stay for two days. For two whole days. Yeah. And not pick up on any of the hints about, like, things are really busy, you know? And I'm imagining however strong those hints were. Yeah. That there is this just entire miscommunication of one person who's just operating on one plane and set of assumptions and another operating on a completely different set of assumptions. And they're just not hearing each other. With my own assumption, I go in and guess that I I really think this must have happened somewhere in the ask of can I come over. There must have been something either that... The coworker had intentions to say and stay for two days and didn't quite get the words out, but certainly meant it. Or thought they <laughs> thought had they in had some somehow, way. Like thought they maybe had explained that things were really bad at home and they needed a place to get away for a couple days, but didn't actually end up asking, may I please stay at your house for two days? What I think is really fascinating here, too, though, is the split between the idea of who you can lean on for something like this, because our question asker extended stay dismay is saying we've only like walked to our cars together a couple times like this is not like the, the my mentee this is not like someone i bond with work like long hard hours with regularly probably like it fascinates me that this felt comfortable to the person doing the asking i'm also wondering a little bit if there's a generational thing happening here our question asker describes themselves as being in a senior leadership role mm -hmm. and just the behavior, the living scenario, all the other elements of the person who's staying tell me this is maybe a junior role of some sort. Maybe, and but I, I want to ask our like millennial and younger audience out there then like weigh in. Would you feel confident asking a coworker you don't really talk to that often to go stay at their house for two nights? And I'm guessing not. That's where I think this really goes into. This is super rare behavior. I think this person may never find themselves in this situation again. Most likely. Like, the ask was for future. What would I do in the future? And I do think that, and Dan said, right Right from the get-go, there's an easy fix for this. What I'm curious what your easy fix is, and then I'll, I'll go with mine. It's okay to say it. It's okay to ask them to leave. Yeah, I think so, too. 
It really is. And you can do that in a kind and gracious way. You can say, listen, I've so appreciated having you. We've gotten so much done. It's really time for me to turn back to my life and let's figure out how to get you home. Here's my, my sample scripts are failing me, yeah, but no, but you have totally. to actually say the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to address the fact that there was a miscommunication. You know, Carol, I wanted to sit down and talk with you because I think there might have been a slight miscommunication. I just I don't want you to feel awkward or too pressured, but I wasn't prepared to be hosting you for two or three days. I thought you were just going to stay for the evening or just for one night. And I'd love to talk to you about making arrangements to go somewhere else at this point. Or that gets kind of harsh at the end there, so I would adjust the end of that. But you get where we're going with it. It's that you recognize that you were under a different assumption of what was happening and you apologize for the miscommunication. One other thing that might help have that sort of difficult or awkward moment of conversation is to be prepared to also invite them to stay. That if there is really something going on where, for whatever reason, it's just incredibly impractical at this point for them to go anywhere else or expensive or whatever it is that... Unsafe, yeah. You might accommodate them for a night, but at least now you've set up that the baseline expectation is that they don't stay. Mm -hmm. And if you are making that accommodation, you're making it for specific reasons and you're doing the best you can to help them with a difficult situation, but you've set yourself up for that not being a regular thing or something that they can just lean on. Extended stay dismay. We hope you never have to figure out the situation again. Now, let's think back. What do we want to do next time? Choose your guests carefully. Leave on time and courteously, too. Thanking your hosts sincerely for the good time you've had. Our next question should be helpful over the holidays. It's about buffet etiquette. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. We often go to one of the two resorts in town, which have an upscale buffet. I have a few questions concerning buffets. Since everyone is coming back to the table at slightly different times, when is it considerate to start eating? Should I stand every time a lady gets up to go back to the buffet? What is the proper placement of the used eating utensils when I get up to get another serving? The attentive staff will clear my used plate, but sometimes leave the used eating utensils leaning against other utensils. Thank you in advance for your consideration, John in Colorado. John in Colorado, I love the clarity of your questions. Number one, the question was, since everyone is coming back to the table at slightly different times, when is it considerate to start eating? Uh, usually we say when there's three or more people seated that that's generally a good time to begin. I think it really depends on who you're with and your family or your your colleagues. I mean, it just so depends on the situation, you know. You may always wait for your spouse. You guys may decide that you hit the buffet at different times and the line is really long and so you're you know, it would almost be rude to ask somebody to wait. Uh, it's going to vary. You might say there's three people back, but there's only four other people at the table. I'm going to wait for that last person yeah, before I start. Totally, totally. You could say, ah, one more person, not a big deal. I mean, you could. we really could slice this any way we want to, guys. So I think the thing that you want to do is that think about the situation that you're in, the people that you're with, if you know that any of them have some preferences. It's nice to consider those. You don't always have to bend to them, but you you can at least consider them. And I'll give you a for example. Yeah. At the post-family holiday gathering, it's pretty much tuck in as soon as you get your food and get back to your place. Absolutely. Second question. Should I stand every time a lady gets up to go back to the buffet table? This is kind of up to you and your own chivalry, right? It's a little bit of a personal preference. I, 
I'm guessing that we're talking here about a social situation. This mm-hmm. isn't business dining where we really strive for a gender neutral standard. Mm-hmm. If these kinds of gendered courtesies are something that you appreciate and the people you're eating with appreciate, you certainly may. And it doesn't need to be a big gesture. It can be sort of a, an indication of a rise yeah. as someone comes or goes from the table. Here's the thing, though. I wouldn't do it for one person and not others. If you're going to do it, you then just blanket do this gesture. It gets included that I think for any time someone rises from the table, a lady rises from the table, then not just if they're going back to the buffet. I can see situations where it's just not practical. It's a big table. There's a lot of people coming and going. And you might look for those key moments, the moments when people really arrive at the start of the meal and finish and leave at the end of the meal. Those might be your real moments of opportunity. Third question was, what is the proper placement of the used eating utensils when I get up to get another serving? So when you're uh, dining buffet style, you actually don't bring your used plate or silverware back up to the buffet with you. You leave it for someone to clear away if you want to go get seconds of anything or you go get a brand new plate and bring it back. And then it's in addition to the plate that you already have. Um we are in an interesting time in the world of service where some restaurants and some resorts and hotel chains don't remove dirty silverware, silverware that's been used from one course to another or from one buffet plate to another. They leave it for you. Um, I think the idea is that you're saving on water and the amount of things that you're washing repeatedly. And The other style is that every time that you have dirty silverware and you're either changing courses or you're changing plates at the buffet, that it is replaced with clean silverware. That's my preference personally. I don't love the idea of the exact conundrum that John in Colorado talks about, which is the used silverware is then placed either directly on the table or it's leaning against other clean, unused silverware or it's leaning against a butter plate or a saucer or something. And it's just... It's sitting there not kind of – in. it's dirty and it's basically on the table. It's not actually on the table, but it's pretty close. I think it's OK to ask for fresh silverware if you like that or prefer that. And I think it's also OK to pick up fresh silverware at the buffet if that's if the available, yeah. situation, if that's how it's being distributed or how you get it. As far as how you would place your utensils, Mm -hmm. place them the same way you would at the end of a course or the end of a meal with the handles together in the bottom right-hand quadrant of the plate. It makes it easy for the service staff both to see that you're not going to pick your utensils up and keep eating. Clearly, if you've left the table, it also makes it easy for them to reach down, pick that plate up, just put their thumb over the two handles. might make it a little more likely that they take those utensils away. And if you do really care about having fresh utensils, it's okay to ask for them. Love the questions, though. I think this is definitely going to help out buffets over the course of the next couple weeks as people are out celebrating, especially for New Year's, I feel like. But New Year's brunch is often a big buffet brunch, I feel like. John in Colorado, enjoy. As Joan is making plans for entertaining a few of her friends at a buffet supper, she asks advice well ahead of time. She has learned that what is correct in terms of etiquette is also highly practical and logical. Our next question is titled, Currently His Misses. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My husband and I have been together for 10 years, married for five. 
I am his second wife. Every time I see one particular friend of my husband, he brings up my husband's ex-wife. He says things like how pretty she was or how smart she is. This friend and I seem to have a good relationship, and he is not in contact with the ex that I know of. But I always thought that it's rude to bring up someone's ex to their current. Am I being sensitive? Currently, his missus. I love the title. Spelled all as one word. Yes, yes. I would feel a little miffed by this, personally. I'd be like, oh, we always bring up Sally. <laughs> I'm going to trust my instinct on this one. It sounds a little strange yeah. that it's this one particular friend, and without there being a particular connection, it seems to come up often. It might not be an attack on currently his missus. No, I don't think so. It might be a little it mental like tick. a good relationship. Yeah. Just something that, for some reason, this is a stuck point in this person's that mind and their relationship. Yeah. So how do you address it? I had one thought. Yeah, please, because I'm flummoxed. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my husband and see if they'll talk to this friend. I like that. I like the the go through someone else approach. I'm feeling I'm feeling like that would be a good thing to lean into today. Well, and it would feel like an easy ask for me if if someone said to me, "Hey, could you stop bringing up my ex in front of my current <laughs> wife? It would, it would just smooth things over a little bit. It would be a really easy thing for me to hear that and agree and say, oh, I, you know, it didn't occur to me I'll that I was be happy that. not to do that. Yeah, exactly. Currently, his missus, that's my best thought. And I hope that your husband is willing to accommodate this relatively small request. In almost every group, you find him, the troublemaker, who hurts himself and the others around him. What makes a person like Mel act the way he does? Is the group ever at fault? How would you cope with someone like Mel in your group? Could you help him? What do you think? Our next question is titled, Group Gift Credit. Good morning. I'm organizing some fellow parents to chip in and buy a gift for the teacher at our kids' preschool, but it looks as though only a few will participate. There are about 12 families in the school. My question is this. What is the proper way to give credit for a group gift when not all the members of the group have contributed? As in, what should I write on the card to the teacher? Thanks for your help on this. Sincerely, Ben. Oh, Ben, we get this question so often. We understand where it comes from. The etiquette answer is honestly, if you put it out there for everyone to participate in a group gift, not everybody did. It is going to look a little strange, I think, when you have a gift from some members of the class's parents and not everyone's. So we think that the best thing to do is to put everyone's name on the card or just say from all of us and leave it as being generic. We happen to like when everyone is able to sign a card. If you can make that happen, do it. When people say, oh, but I didn't contribute, you say, we know you wanted to in spirit or you know, you know. The issue people sometimes come up with is when someone says, no, I really don't want to be on the card. I don't want to be on anything. I don't like the pressure that I'm feeling. And that's when you really do need to back off. And so if you get someone who's resistant to being on the card, just understand that you've given them every opportunity to participate and they've chosen not to. Some people choose to run with that thought from the beginning. 
and just write the card from only the parents that participated. But I think that personally, this is why I am not a fan of group gifts at holiday times for teachers and things like that, because I feel like if someone doesn't want to participate, this you end up in this kind of awkward situation of, well, they had the option and they didn't or they couldn't. And are you singling them out? Are you punishing them? Are you giving the opportunity for them to participate in ways that they can? I mean, it's it's just a com- it's a very complicated thing for something that is so generous in nature. I'm weighing the degrees of participation, and it kind of affects the answer a little bit. The idea of including everyone is if there are just a couple of people that, for whatever reason, don't participate, you don't want to single them out and yeah. sort of point them out and. It can be relatively easy just to include those people and it sort of smooths everything over and is a nice gesture or way to handle it. In this case, maybe the majority aren't participating. So that solution just starts to feel less like a appropriate smoothing of the situation and yeah. starts to feel more like a, a not honest representation of what's happening. And in some ways, that's the danger of the group gift. I loved your idea of getting everyone to sign it because that sort of is a second pass around. Yeah. Oh, what did we get? Oh, it's that? Oh, I haven't chipped in on that yet. Here, can I – what are people chipping in? Could oh, I give you a little something? I it might get someone to jump in on In a it. totally natural and normal <laughs> way. I might forget. I might yeah, be like, invited no, to okay. participate. <laughs> Miss that opportunity. And then later on when I'm asked to help sign the card, I might say – in fact, I would probably say, wait a minute. I haven't chipped in on this. I should You're offer so again to do it. You're so natured and optimistic. <laughs> The generic signing of from all of us, I think, is a sort of a more honest approach to sharing the credit Mm -hmm. across the whole classroom, even if only a quarter, a third or even a smaller percentage actually got the group gift. Yeah. The place where you run into trouble with that, though, is like like we had said, if the person doesn't actually want to participate in this, they might have. They might have their reasons. They might not feel comfortable donating to teachers. And I know that sounds awful because a lot of teachers have not a lot of support and they're asked to do a lot from their own pockets. It was really apparent when I, I studied education in school and it was, you saw how much teachers have to do to fund their own classrooms. So I, I do think gifts are appropriate, but that doesn't mean that it's the only only thought or only opinion or perspective out there and other people have to make other choices with their money and so you you have to be respectful of that and does lumping everyone in not respect that in some ways so there's there's a lot to consider here i'm glad ben is asking these questions ben we definitely are suggesting that you look at the group that you have look at the situation that you're in you might even want to ask some other members what they're comfortable with in terms of moving forward because there is there is no one right answer to this one absolutely as we think about a scaled answer among many possibilities there are two other sort of extremes we should touch one is If you just don't feel good about it any longer and you're not planning on giving this as a group gift, crediting everyone. Like only two people have signed in (laughs) to do it. (laughs) You want to let people know. Say, listen, there wasn't a lot of interest in the group gift this year, so we didn't go that route. But you let people know that it's not happening if you've already invited them to participate and you're not going to do it or follow through on it. That makes sense. My other thought is for the future, get a little bit of buy-in ahead of time. Circulate a little bit. Ask people what they'd be interested in if they'd want to contribute. Hopefully with that preemptive touch, you're more likely to get more participation next season. Ben, good luck handling this difficult situation. We know it comes from a really good place. 
thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post or with your feedback so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. And now it's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we hear from Anne in Seattle and Amy in San Francisco. Hi. First, I'd like to thank you for your great podcast. I'm kind of an etiquette geek, and I love your show. Way back while, in elementary school, I would read Emily Post and Miss Manners columns in the newspaper. I have learned so much from you. I am a business owner that had to deal with the thermostat problem. We had a very thin woman who was our office manager. She also had an office with a large window. She would repeatedly raise the temperature above 80 degrees, and she never put on a sweater. I was on maternity leave and didn't find out about the problem until I brought my new baby in to meet my staff. We also had a staff member who would turn the temperature down to 60 degrees. I solved the problem by contacting our property manager, and they installed a locking plastic cover over the thermostat. I will tell you, sometimes managing employees can seem like you're stuck in a perpetual junior high. Also, I find myself in a similar situation now. I sit in front of basically a wall of glass, so most of the year I have to wear a sweater. In the winter months, I have to wear fingerless gloves. I keep a small space heater under my desk so my coworkers don't have to swelter. Thank you again for your awesome show. See what I did there? Anne in Seattle. Oh, Anne, I like I really like the solution of going to the lockbox over the thermostat and just saying, Listen, as a company, I'm setting a heat. This is what it is. You cannot change it. Bring a sweater, bring a space heater, bring a fan, do what you need to do, but this is it. Thank you, Anne, for bringing some clarity to a really challenging question. Our next piece is from Amy in San Francisco. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to give some feedback for the bride wanting to know if she could ask her sisters to be bridesmaids for her wedding. I wanted to offer some advice as someone who has had a few weddings, same guy, interesting, and been a bridesmaid a few times. One, figure out what the duties will be beforehand and, if possible, how much money it will cost. Dresses, shoes, hair, makeup, add it all up. Two, Ask them, the bridesmaids, over email or in a letter where you outline the details of what is expected of them, costs, etc. Asking over email, while less personal, gives people time to think it over before they reply. Three, when asking, phrase it as, you could be a bridesmaid, an usher, do a reading, etc., This gives the sisters the option to take part in the wedding in other ways without being bridesmaids. Hope this helps the bride-to-be. XOXOX, Amy in San Francisco. Amy, this sounds right in line with a lot of our wedding advice. And we know weddings are one of those times when people often meet Emily Post. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. 
And today we're going to talk a little bit about holiday stress. Tis the week. This is when things get nutty. This, it can, right? It's like you've got people rushing around because they're actually going to be traveling places、uh, for the next two holidays that are coming up. You've got people、uh, rushing around for last-minute gifts or last-minute items for parties that they are headed to. Or throwing. Yeah, there's oftentimes we're in a bad wet for much of the United States. At least we're in a bad weather sector, and so it's like you're just there's a good chance you're going to be dealing with snow or ice or freezing rain on the roads. Not to mention people everywhere shopping. Like, All of the other people dealing with the same things. things. And there's like, the, and then there's just stores are flooded with more people. Parking lots are more difficult to navigate, and people are rushing around, so they're bumping each other more. It's It's insane, and it's dark. It's Depending dark on、out. how far north you are, <laughs> it's dark at like three, four thirty. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, four thirty, but really dark by four、yeah. thirty. I like that your show note is it's real. Pooja gets real busy this time of year being a therapist. Pooja's a mental health counselor,、yeah. and within that profession, it's a known thing that as you get closer and closer to the holidays, you get busier and busier. Yeah. And、People need help relieving the stress, and one thing that we know is that stress does lead to rudeness, and we know that rudeness can lead to more stress. I mean, just think about when you have a tough day, where some of these places that we've just talked about are stressful places, and you hear your brain; it goes to the negative. It goes to that person's a jerk, not oh, excuse me, or you know, oh, I'm never going to get out of here. Instead of it's okay. Yeah, five we're all in this together. Yeah, and five people in line does take time. I am going to have to wait this out. You know, it is so easy to let us lead with that impatient me first brain, and etiquette can be a real, real helping hand this time of year. It really can in in defeating or interrupting that negative feedback loop of stress, loss of awareness, rudeness, incivility, stress, loss of awareness, rudeness, incivility, all cycling around and around, even. Within our own selves, sometimes within our families, sometimes in our larger communities. I'm picturing like an etiquette arrow that pierces that cycle. You know what I mean? And it's like it's got like please and thank you and you're welcome and excuse me and I'm so sorry written on it. And like it's just like anytime someone cuts you off, say oh, you know I'm glad I could provide a space for you. You know, not in a sarcastic way, but like let your brain think those thoughts. You know, or like when when you do have a moment, you bumped into. Someone, you turn around, and you say, "I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I didn't mean to bump you. You know, it's not that hard." And boom, it pierces the stress. Those、like、magic words are magic. <laughs> They are. And- I love how your example like teetered on the sarcastic, and you were like, "No, no, no not sarcastic. Genuine, 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 sincere." <laughs> Because that's where the magic comes from. It is, it is that sincerity. It's that genuinely held and felt good feeling. And if you find that escaping you at any point, let this postscript be your reminder to stay calm, to relax yourself with a deep breath, remind yourself that the whole purpose of the hustle and bustle is to. Create and carve out time to spend with others, to reconnect with yourself, your family, your friends, to breathe deep and enjoy. And it is that connection that we find that is so meaningful and significant. And if it feels like it's a little far away, 
remind yourself that it's relatively easy to bring it back with those little etiquette arrows that my cousin <laughs> described, piercing that that negative feedback loop. Be that agent of change. Be that good in the world. We know you can. That's why you listen to this podcast, and we thank you for it. We wish you a very happy holiday season, and we want to leave you with a little quote from Emily Post at the end of her life. She said about etiquette, Whenever two people come together and their behavior affects one another, you have etiquette. Etiquette is not some rigid code of manners. It's simply how persons' lives touch one another. We wish you all the best as you connect with what's important to you this holiday season. to end our show on a high note so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world and that can come in so many forms and today we hear from john hello lizzie and daniel i want to share an etiquette salute to the team at the seal beach animal hospital in seal beach california i want to apologize in advance as the story may be a bummer and not reflect recent holiday festivities, but this team exemplified consideration, respect, and honesty in our interactions with them. Recently, my cat, Kit, was diagnosed with an aggressive tumor. This was missed by a previous exam at another hospital, so we sought out a second opinion at this location. When we went to them, they shared a candid and frank diagnosis and provided all options that were available— Unfortunately, the outcome was not positive, and eventually we had to make a tough quality-of-life decision within a week of the initial visit. I'm saluting this team because of their balance of professionalism and compassion for my pet and my husband and me as the owners. Receiving bad news about Kit and having to accept an unfavorable outcome was devastating and difficult to process. They were always honest about what was going to happen and what we should expect. And when the time came, a tissue, hug, and a hand on the shoulder while we said goodbye meant so much to help while we were grieving. A week later, I received a condolence card from the doctor and one from the technicians with paw prints. You cannot imagine how valued we felt. I appreciate that etiquette and professionalism can also happen in sad situations. It is evident to me that this is the culture of the clinic, and the doctors and technicians champion it both personally and professionally. Best, John F. That's so sad, but so nice. It is so wonderful to see how etiquette can, I think, get us through difficult situations. John, we're so sorry that you're dealing with this, but we're also really glad that you were able to find something meaningful and significant in this difficult situation. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. And on Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. 
please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're looking for another way to support the show, please consider leaving us a review. Your comments and ratings help other people find the show. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.